0: Welcome everyone uh, back this morning. My name is Bates and it's great to be together again. If you're joining us for the first time at Church Online in 2021, it's awesome to have you uh, tuning in with us this morning. In light of where we find ourselves in this pandemic and at the start of a new year, we thought what better way to start a year in this space than by looking forward and by looking up and with that in mind, we've embarked on a two-part mini-series which started last week and today is part two called The World's Toughest Race. And if you are with us last week, you will remember that we alluded a little bit to the Eco Challenge and Adventure Race, but uh, came to the conclusion that in fact we all participate daily in The World's Toughest Race, which is the race of our lives. If you haven't watched part one, why don't you go and find that on our website or our YouTube channel and give it a look. But even if you haven't, um, it'll really help this morning, but this morning will still be helpful and practically useful for you, even if you haven't watched part one. So enjoy this morning as we get stuck in together. As the title of this um, series alludes to, uh, we're using that adventure racing analogy right throughout uh, as we uh, try and we endeavor this year as a people to end up somewhere on purpose in this race of life marked out for us in 2021. When you come to the end of this year, I wonder... Do you desire to look back on this year with a deep abiding sense of satisfaction? Do you desire to look back on this year knowing that this year really counted? Is that desire deep in you? And the question is, if it is, how do you fulfill that desire? Uh, well, last week we touched on that when we looked at the letter that Apostle Paul wrote to one of his ministry partners, Timothy, uh, in 2 Timothy and chapter 4. And there was this one particular line there that stood out, and I'm just going to repeat it quickly. It's this Paul says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have remained faithful. So, Paul, here at the end of his life, is looking back. And he's writing to Timothy and he has this clear, deep, abiding sense of satisfaction that he has faithfully run the race that was marked out for him to run. And he's saying, Timothy, you do the same. Well, how did Paul do that? How did he fulfill that deep desire in him? He did it by starting out with having a clear vision of where he was going. And so that was our starting point last week, saying we all need a clear, personal vision of where we believe God. is directing us and taking us. We need a destination. And so a brief recap of last week's kind of four essentials that we took out that we will need, we all need to run the race of life successfully and well this year and they were these. The first one was that we all need a vision and we use this medal kind of as a a, a symbol of we all need a clear vision and in the race it's the finish line where we're going to get to in the race of life it's a vision that we need. And then secondly, we all need the right support team. And that was uh, symbolized by my ring. My wife is on my support team in life. Who's on your support team in life? Because we all need a team. We know that to get us through life and to get us to the vision uh, that God's given us for our lives. And then thirdly, we all need a map, a guide, something that we can stick to, a plan on how we're going to navigate through this race of life. And then fourthly, we need crucial and vital resources. In a race, one needs water to stay alive. It's a a dictator of life and death and in life, we need certain vital resources to get us through the race of life. And so this week, we're going to be unpacking those last three essentials. The fact that we need the right support team, we need a good map, and we need certain vital resources in order to run the race of life well and get to the vision that God has given us for this year and so this past week, I challenged each one of us to pray about to think about, and to write down and share with a friend a personal vision for your life if you 've done that, awesome if you haven 't yet it 's not too late. do it this coming week. but if you 've done that, you may be thinking, how do I know this is a vision from God?" Uh, well, here are two really great indicators that help. Uh, us figure out if this is a vision from God or kind of just our own thinking. The first one is, is it impossible to reach this vision on your own? If it is, that's a good indicator. It's probably from God because that means we need others' help. But more importantly, we need His help to get to that vision, which means that He gets all the glory when we get there and not us. And we know God deserves all the glory. So that's the first one. Is it impossible to reach on your own? The second one is, will it also benefit others positively? God has blessed us to be a blessing. And so if our vision will also benefit others positively, it's a decent indicator that it may be from God. Okay, so how are we going to fulfill this personal vision we believe that God's given each of us for this year? Well, there's three essentials and we're going to start here uh, with the first one. And that is that we need the right support. We need a support team to get us through this race. If we think of that scripture we looked at last week in 2 Timothy, uh, the apostle Paul, he's writing to one of his ministry partners, Timothy. And Paul said several other ministry partners. In fact, uh, when we, we read all his letters that he's written in the New Testament, 13 of them, he references and he talks about his partners in the gospel. Uh, He had many different individuals who supported him, who loved him, who cared for him, who helped him achieve the vision that God had given him. In fact, there's 76 of them at least mentioned by name in the scriptures. He had some families who supported him, some local churches that supported him and helped him. And there's no way he would have achieved and reached this incredible vision of sharing the gospel far and wide uh, without this incredible support team that he had around him. And he intentionally built that Team. And so we all need a support team. Uh, Paul's support team was so good that the influence that he's had in Christianity and even to us today still rings through 2,000 years later as we read uh, his books penned in the Bible. And you know what? I reckon we don't even really need the Bible to tell us that we need a support team. It's intuitive. We all know we're not an island. We can't do this life on our own, right? And hasn't, hasn't lockdown and COVID kind of highlighted that as we have been stuck indoors? You're like, I'm oh getting so frustrated. We need others around us in this life, not just to get through, but to, uh, to thrive and to really flourish uh, in life and in the vision God's given us for our lives. And it reminds me of that Eco Challenge, that crazy adventure race I was talking about last week. How each team was made up of four members and all the members had to cross the finish line together in order for them to complete the race. And so it was crucial that they had teammates who were fit and experienced and supporting and would sacrificially give of themselves to get each other through the race. They were there for one another. I think of the one guy who got heat stroke on the first uh, day from um, paddling too hard. And um, his team dragged him for like four days until he was healthy enough to contribute again. Another guy, he did it with his dad, an older guy who had Alzheimer's and he struggled. And so they each had to carry his pack for a little bit. They had to help him navigate the slippery parts, etc. But the team was there for one another, supporting one another, helping one another get through the race. And so you'll see my background again this week is that of an alluding to an adventure race with bicycles and stand-up pedal boards and all these things. Uh, So the question is, well, how do we build our support team? Uh, Someone once said that we don't so much find our community as we build our community or our support team around us. And in some senses, we do find community, but certainly not by accident. We go looking for our community. We put ourselves in spaces where we'll be surrounded uh, by people, where we can love other people. close, loving community and having a support team is not this kind of uh, consumeristic exercise, you know, kind of picking and choosing, this is what I want, this is what I'll have, this is what I like. Um, In fact, it's far more of a commitment to be self-giving of self, to be loving others sacrificially, to be serving and to be building a community. Building a community is largely an act of the will, I would say. It's a choice. It's a decision to say that I want to be part of and I want to be involved in loving others sacrificially, having people around me, caring for one another and doing life together. It's not so much kind of just the self-gratifying so that I can feel happy and all right, right? No, no, no. It's far more of a deliberate choice to be vulnerable, to be caring, uh, to go out there and to give of ourselves for the sake of others. And so we don't just find that, right? Uh, We don't just come across that. We choose it and we pursue and build our community and our support team. Uh, So who is on your support team? Who is in your close, loving community. I'll tell you some of mine. My, my wife is one of them. Uh, my discipleship group, we meet weekly. They're there, the eldership team. Uh, we meet weekly. Uh, church community, One Hope, we meet weekly. That is some of my support team. At the moment, I've got a gap on my team. I'm busy praying and looking for an older uh, Christian male mentor uh, to be part of my team and be part of that support network in my life. We need a loving community around us to support us and for us to support them in running this race of life well. But then there's also another kind of support that we all need. And this, I would say, is the most crucial kind of support that will determine our success and failure in this life. If we look at the Apostle Paul, whose letters we've been looking at the last two weeks, he didn't just have the support of a loving community of Timothy and a whole bunch of other guys who were his ministry partners, but he had the support and strengthening of God himself. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit Spirit. Of God. And we see this in many of Paul's writings, but here's one particular reference in Acts chapter 9. There's this dude, Ananias. He comes into the room. Uh, Paul's blind. Ananias prays for him. Paul can then see, and in the same moment, he is filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Paul had and needed the support, the infilling, the leading, the guiding, the directing of the Holy Spirit of God. And so what does the Holy Spirit do in the life of a Christ follower? Uh, Well, the authors of Scripture, of the Bible, tell us that He guides us, He strengthens us, He empowers us, He comforts us, He teaches us, He reveals truth to us. The Holy Spirit is God with us. By far the most important and powerful and helpful support that we can all have as Christ followers is that of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Should there be no other support, no one else around us, just the Spirit of God in us, that would be more than sufficient to run this race of life well. But God in His grace, grace and kindness and mercy has surrounded us uh, with community that we can share with one another the work that the Spirit of God is doing in and through each one of us. And so do you have the support of the Holy Spirit in your life? Well, if you're a Christ follower, you do. When you became a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit of God came and dwelt within you. And to make make it through this race of life and to reach the vision God has given us for this year, we need the support of others. We need a loving community around us and we need the Spirit of God within us. And so here are some questions to ask about your support team. Firstly, who is on your team? Secondly, is your team fit enough and experienced enough to help you and support you in getting through this race of life? Thirdly, are there any gaps in your team? And fourthly, do you have the most important member on your team, the Holy Spirit? And then to flip that on its head, are you part of anybody else's team? And are you fit enough and experienced enough to help them get through their race of life? Let's pause at this moment and ask these questions of ourselves and share them with those who uh, you're tuning in with. Um, the first one is, who is on your support team? And secondly, are you on anyone else's support team? So that was essential number And that was that we need the right support. And then thirdly, essential number three is that we need a good map. We need something to guide us on our race of life, to help us take each next step that we need to take. And so we're going to be continuing on the adventure racing theme and read a little excerpt from the scriptures from the same Apostle Paul that he wrote to a church in Corinth, which is in Greece. And he uses the same kind of athletics terminology. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize, right? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Now listen up here. Everyone who competes in the Games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Does anyone know where the Olympic Games started? That's right in Greece. And so Paul is just genius here. He's writing to these guys in Greece who would have been very familiar with uh, running, athletics, games, some of their friends and family and people around them would have gone into strict training. They would have known these guys because they were going to compete in the ancient Greek games, which are now the Olympic games. And so he writes to them using this kind of terminology. And I just love it how the, the Bible is not boring. Like it's not just same, Sam. Each of the different authors as they creatively and geniusly writing in different styles, use specific metaphors and pictures, etc, to get the message across to their specific audience. And isn't it just genius that Paul here uses this uh, training, this athletics terminology to uh, some ancient Greeks, I just love it. So if we're going to reach our vision this year and we're going to finish the race well, if we're going to get to the end with that kind of deep abiding sense of satisfaction, knowing we've run our race, of life this year well, then we also, like competitive athletes, need to have a training program. We need to have a program set down for us so that we can stick to it and we can grow strong and fit and run our race of life well, just like the competitive athletes who compete for a crown that doesn't last forever. We are running a race as Christ follows to receive a crown from Jesus himself that'll last forever. How much more important is it then that we have a plan, something to execute? You know that old saying is so true. If we fail to plan, we plan to fail. Isn't that just so, so true? We need a map. We need a structure. We need something that we can stick to and grow uh, in our faith day by day. And we're not going to get there by accident. We know that. We need to have a course that is plotted out for us to run. And so we're here in the winelands, uh, wine country, wine farm country. We are very familiar with vines and wine, right? And so I'm standing here, as you'll see, in a different location from earlier, right under a stunning vine that has grown on this kind of sort of trellis setup up here. And it's providing wonderful shade for me here as I preach on this hot summer's morning. And uh, you might have remembered last week I mentioned that we'd be talking about something called the rule of life and this is where it comes in and I'll tell you why. Uh, the word rule, uh, it's not this kind of constricting, binding, I must set to this thing. The, rule, uh, the word rule actually comes from Latin and it means trellis or support structure. And so here we have this support structure, this trellis on which the vine is growing so that it can fulfill its purpose, so that it can provide shade and it can also be very fruitful. And so this is where the rule of life comes into play. But you may be saying, well, what is a rule of life? And uh, I'm going to go to uh, Pete Scazzaro for that. He writes a really good book, or a few books, one of them being called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And he says this, a rule of life is an intentional... Conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything we do. The starting point and foundation of any rule of life is the desire to be with God and to love Him. Another author goes on to say this about a rule of life. He says, The rule of life is a way to begin with the end in mind, to envision a sustainable, thriving walk with God in His Word, in prayer, in community, in our family, and in our work. And then working backwards from there to a set of commitments. It's not about a detailed to-do list that kind of must be maintained. Rather, a rule of life gives us the opportunity to prayerfully discern what roles and responsibilities the Lord has given us. And to organize our lives in a manner most conducive to spiritual growth and depth in Him. And so that is what a rule of life is. It's a tool. It's a tool that's been helping Christians for hundreds of years uh, to keep Christ and his work at the center of their lives. And it's a tool I've been using for a few years and just found it exceptionally helpful and life-giving and and keeping Christ at the center of everything, helping me live a sustainable uh, Christianity day by day. And so how can a rule of life act kind of as a map for you, uh, help you to navigate life this year and help you to navigate the race of life? Well, I would say in these few ways, it can help. It does help remove distractions and keep us focused. focused It helps, helps us in taking the next small little steps towards our vision goal it helps us track our actual progress and then it also simplifies uh, the process. Uh, it simplifies uh, reaching our what might seem like an overwhelming vision. Okay, so maybe you're not 100% convinced but maybe you're thinking, well I'm, I'm keen to give the rule of uh, rule of life a try and, and see how that works out for me and kind of craft one for myself. And if that is where you find yourself at this point, You may be asking, well, how do I go about putting one together? And I think the best way to explain this is perhaps through an example. Uh, You'll see also there is a personal rule of life worksheet, uh, which has been put together. And I'm going to encourage each of you to use that this week in crafting your own rule of life. You will uh, find that at the attachment Okay, so here's an example from my life and the rule of life that I've put together for 2021. The vision for my life, I mentioned it last week, is this, to grow in loving union with Christ and to share his love with others. So I'm asking how do I reach that vision with the help of a map, a rule of life? And uh, there are five broad areas of my life that I need to have a plan in, a map for, to see this vision fulfilled. And they are this, my relationship with God, my personal life and health, my relationships, my church life, and my work life. And so I've got commitments that I've made in my rule of life, in each of those areas of life, to see that vision fulfilled of growing in loving union with Christ and sharing His love with others. So the idea here with the rule of life is that these commitments that you make, or that I've made, done regularly become healthy, helpful habits in my life that help me run the race of life well. Um, Someone once said that goals are overrated, commitments are underrated, and habits even less so. Commitments performed consistently, we know this, commitments uh, performed consistently lead to habits, and we all know that habits form and shape us. And we've all got them, right? There's some bad ones, and they lead to some bad stuff, and some good ones, and they lead to some good stuff in our lives. And so let me say this, we all already have habits in our lives. Uh, Ways of living in this world, of interacting with this world, and they are shaping us. The question is, do you know what those habits are? Do you know what the habits you have are? As an example, if the first thing you do in the morning is pick up your phone and the last thing you do at night is put down your phone, that is a habit. And that is shaping you in ways that you cannot comprehend. And so a rule of life helps us to establish some commitments that lead to life-giving, grace-filled habits in our lives. Some guys have called them spiritual disciplines. And so here's an example from my rule of life and I'm going to run it through in kind of a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly commitments that I've made. And just to say before I start out, many of these commitments that I've made, I've been doing for many years and so they've already become healthy habits in my life. Some of them are new and I'm growing in them and they aren't yet habits, but I've committed to giving them a crack this year to see me run the race of life well this year. So here are some of my daily commitments. The first one is we all know, right? A day starts when we go to bed, right? And so I've committed to sleeping eight hours every night, getting to bed at 10 and waking up at approximately six. Now I've got a little baby, so that's pretty interrupted sleep. But the point is I'm in bed and doing my best to sleep in those eight hours. And then early in the morning, uh, I have a 30-minute time of Bible reading and prayer. Again, I've got kids, so they're around, but I'm doing my very best. I've got my Bible out, phones away, a pen, a highlighter, um, and a Bible reading plan, and I'm reading the Bible and praying each morning for 30 minutes. Uh, I've just been in the book of James, and it's just been hitting me right between the eyeballs as God has just been using His Word to speak straight into my life. After that, I pray for a few minutes for those in my life. It's the same sort of four or five people I pray for every day that they would come to know Jesus this year. They're not currently following him. I'm praying, God, bring them to faith this year. And then I practice something called intermittent fasting. Uh, and So I only start eating at uh, midday each day and I eat until 8pm at night and the reason I do that is not any weird reason, I just eat too much and so I thought how can I eat less because I uh, just eat too much for my own health and age and all these things and I've done intermittent fasting. What it also does, it means in the morning when I get those few hunger pains or whatever, uh, I really just remind myself that Jesus is the true bread of life and he's the one who truly sustains me and then another commitment I make daily is to spend two hours with my kids, usually one hour in the morning and one hour in the afternoon and I've got a few others but that's just a few then some of my weekly commitments on a Tuesday evening I'm reviewing our personal finances every Tuesday and then once a month uh, Jen and I look through our our personal finances on a Wednesday and a Sunday evening I'm doing exercise I'm going for a a jog in the evenings for 30 minutes and I do that deliberately late at night after all the family's gone to bed I've spent time with Jen and that's what happens when I have a plan for my life I can work it around family commitments etc. And then on a Saturday, we practice as a family Sabbath. Now, this is one of those commitments that we are committing to pursuing. It's not yet a healthy habit in our lives, but we know it'll be so life-giving. So we committed to it. And what does that look like? Sabbath looks like stopping work, uh, paid and unpaid, taking intentional rest, delighting in things we enjoy and God and creation around us, and then spending time just contemplating God. And then on a Sunday morning, we are together with our church family. And that's just a crucial part of who we are, what we do. They're part of our support team. And so we're together with our church family every Sunday as much as we can be. Uh, Sunday evenings, then we're reflecting on the week before and we're planning for the week coming ahead. And then once a week, I date my wife. Uh, That's so crucial just for the life of our marriage. And then also meet with my discipleship group once a week. Uh, Some monthly commitments, I play a round of golf with friends once a month. I just love it. Having a recreational sport activity to do with friends is just so refreshing and life-giving. And so golf is that. For me, I read a book, a good book once a month. And that's, I'm a learner, so I love learning. So I've put that commitment into my life. And then we give a percentage of our finances to One Hope once a month. Quarterly, we plan to take a bit of an extended time to get away properly with our family and just have some fun together. And then twice a year I take a full day retreat just for myself uh, to refresh, rejuvenate, re-envision and just get some proper rest on my own. That's gold for me and my wife is graciously uh, carving out time for me to be able to do that twice a year. And so those are some of my commitments. As I said earlier, some of these have already become and been for a while life-giving habits in my life. Uh, Some of them are still commitments that are hopefully going to develop into life-giving habits in my life. You know what? So much of a rule of life is not about adding stuff to your plate. And when I've done this, it might feel intimidating or whatever, and you're just thinking, what's going on? But it's not really about adding stuff to our plate. It's more about looking at the habits we already have and just tweaking those to become life-giving as an example what's the first thing we do in the morning is it grab our phone and look at it for 30 minutes or rather uh, grab our bible a cup of coffee a pen a highlighter and a bible reading plan and get stuck into reading the bible and so it's just about tweaking some of our existing habits to make them life-giving uh, so onto that worksheet I mentioned earlier, if you uh, engage with that this week uh, coming and you craft a bit of a rule of life uh, for yourself, what would be the next steps you would take? Well, I would take that uh, to a trusted and mature friend and ask them for some input. Then I would calendarize all your commitments. Uh, and then I would go after it day after day pursuing to fulfill those commitments and be able to look back at the end of the year with a deep sense of satisfaction and joy that you have achieved what you set out to achieve this year. Now, after seeing this, you might feel like, man, that is just too much. It's going to require too much effort, etc. But ask yourself this question. I've asked myself this question at the beginning of the year. Do I want this year to count? Do I want to be able to look back on this year with a deep sense of abiding satisfaction, knowing that I've run the race of this year well? And one thing I know is the chances of that actually happening, the chances of that materializing are drastically increased when I have a thought through, prayed through plan, when I have a map to help me navigate this year. And I really believe a rule of life can be something that helps each of us do that this year. You know what? I I thought about it. We plan so much in our lives that it is far less important than the quality and trajectory of our lives. And so let's be a community this year that goes somewhere on purpose. Let's be a community that establishes some commitments in our lives that turn into habits that lead to life. With all that being said, I would like to make a few comments, just a few notes. Uh, So remember this, what is the goal of a rule of life? It's to stick to the commitments, right? No, 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 that's not the goal. The goal is to grow in loving union with Christ and to share his love with others. And so we don't trust in the structure. We don't trust in the trellis, the rule of life. We trust in the one whom the, this structure is supposed to serve. The one in whom this structure is supposed to, us to, supposed to connect us to. We don't serve the structure. We don't serve the plan, the rule. It serves our purposes. And so there's a lot of grace needed in this space. As we make commitments, as we go for them, and as we maybe miss a few, we drop at the ball a bit here. Stop. Have grace for yourself, Receive God's grace. Dust yourself off and keep going. And maybe take your plan to a friend and say, hey man, this is not realistic. Help them readjust your commitments and go for it again. Start small and grow it over time. This is a live document. It's a live thing, this rule of life. It's organic. It's, it grows as we grow over time. And so, the idea here with a rule of life is to weave into our life a series of habits and practices that shape us and form us over time. Just like our Christian journey, we are slowly growing and changing over time and becoming more like Christ. And the last comment, extra comment I'd make here is enjoy the process fall in love with the process fall in love with running the race of faith that is set before you look to the vision regularly but enjoy the daily journey fall in love with the process fall in love with running the race if i asked you what is your vision for this year and how do you plan to fulfill it what would you say So that takes us to our fourth essential, and that was represented by the water bottle, I'm sure you remember, vital resources. What are some of the vital resources we need to get to the end of the race of this year? Well, well, we definitely need a clear vision, we need the right support team, we need a good map, and we need vital resources. And this will be a brief one um, that I'm going to share now. And so also, uh, as I've mentioned earlier, we need people, support team, we need the Holy Spirit Uh, We need a good map. And those are also resources. But here are some extra ones that are just so crucial uh, for us running the race well. So would you ever run a 100-meter race without water? Uh, Probably. Would you ever run a 100-kilometer race without water? Definitely not. You ain't going to make it to the end alive, right? And so life, as we know, is not a sprint. It's more like a marathon. In fact, as we've been arguing, it's more like and adventure race. And in an adventure race, if you don't have water, that's a difference between life and death. Clean drinking water. And so here are some vital resources uh, to get us through the race of life. Here's the first one that we all need, and that is a good translation of the Bible. If you're English, I would recommend the English Standard Version or the New International Version or the New Living Translation. Absolutely crucial for our journey. And then uh, after that, you definitely need a journal to be journaling in, in your Bible time and a pen and a highlighter and a really good Bible reading plan. Uh, Then uh, someone once said, what's the most important book in the world? And uh, there was a student asking his teacher, and the teacher said, well, it's the Bible. Uh, And then he said, well, what's the second most important book in the world? And the teacher said, well, a book that helps you understand and read the Bible better. And so I want to recommend two books like that. Uh, The one has just recently been released by Taryn Williams. It's called What is So Amazing About Scripture? And this will just help Uh, with understanding and reading of scripture massively. And then there's another one. It's called Unlocking the Bible by a guy called David Pawson. Also highly recommended. It kind of gives an overview of the whole Bible uh, and each book in it. So really helpful resources. And then the last thing I would say is a vital resource is a good calendar, right? Uh, I use Google Calendar and it works super well. But a good calendar is crucial as we run this race of life. So we've covered a lot of ground uh, this morning and it's just been so wonderful talking about these things together, Uh, but I want to bring it down to a challenge for you this week. I mentioned it earlier, but I want to challenge you to use the rule of life worksheet. And this is the challenge. Carve out two undistracted hours this coming week to start compiling your rule of life for 2021. Once you've done that, share it with a friend and get their input. But this is the challenge carve out two undistracted hours this week to start crafting your rule of life for 2021. We're all going to end up somewhere this year. Let's be a people that ends up somewhere on purpose with a clear vision accompanied by uh, the right support team, a good map and the vital resources we need to be able to run the race of life this year with purpose in a direction and be able to get to the end of the race of life this year with a deep abiding sense of satisfaction knowing we have run the race that was set out for us to run this year and we've run it well. That we could all get to the end and say along with Apostle Paul, uh, I did it. I succeeded. I ran the race of faith well this year and I finished well. My life counted this year. Let's be those kind of people in 2021. Let me close this and pray. Thank you, Father, that you are good and that you are with us and that you've got a good plan and purpose for each one of us this year, Lord Jesus. By your Holy Spirit, help us to pursue your vision for our lives this year. Surrounded by the community you've put around us, Lord Jesus, with a plan, a rule of life, and God, with the right resources to be able to pursue you this year, to grow in loving union and to share your love with others. We love you, God. Thank you that you love us. Help us as we each craft our rule of life this week. In Jesus' name, amen.